Hi guys, welcome to a new episode of our podcast. Today um, we have a special guest and our first guest actually, um, which is Avi. Hi Avi. Hey. How are you? I'm good and happy to be here with you. Uh, really, really happy to have you um, and can't wait to talk more about yoga and what you do. I'm really happy to have our first guest on the podcast. Um, Avi is a Satyananda yoga teacher and founder of the Prakriti School of Yoga. His teachings are based on the Bihar School of Yoga lineage, also known as Satyananda Yoga. Uh, the Prakriti School of Yoga was created by Avi in 2008, inspired by his guru. Avi, as in Avishek Majundar, was born in India, close to the roots of yoga and mindfulness. He took his first steps um, onto the spiritual path in early childhood. And ever since then, he has been walking on this path under the guidance of great spiritual mentors from Bihar School of Yoga um, to His Holiness Dalai Lama. Avi has been teaching traditional yoga and meditation and running workshops on wellness and mindfulness uh, for the past 24 years, out of which 17 in Romania and more than 10 other countries. Um, Avi is also a psychologist and works with yoga, psychology and Ayurveda combined together. Um, he has also studied Thai food reflexology and other body-based therapies. Welcome, Avi. <laughs> Very happy to have you. Uh, if Thank you me. want to add anything else about yourself, please feel free to do so. Otherwise, we can jump right into the questions. Yeah, maybe the only thing to add uh, all the years or all the qualifications that, that, that you mentioned about me still keeps me as a student of yoga. So I see myself as an eternal student of yoga and I'm still learning and trying to refine my understanding uh, around the subject. That's what I'm doing. Um, and and uh, you have a lot of experience um, and uh, maybe it's even hard to, to remember now because it's been a while, but um, what got you into yoga? How did you start about practicing uh, all those many years ago? As truth must be told, uh, as a child, I had zero interest in yoga. I had nothing, nothing to do with yoga. Uh, I worshipped Bruce Lee and uh, I wanted <laughs> to be like him, yeah, yeah. I studied also for quite some years martial art and uh, you know, having big poster of Bruce Lee on, the, on my bedroom and all that. But how it happens is uh, I had ADHD. I'm, I might still have it a bit. I'm, I'm anxious and I'm very jittery person in a certain manner. And thankfully, about 35 years back in a small town in India, there was no as such psychologist to whom you will take your small kid. So you will go and drop for multiple problems, there's a one solution. You put them to a yoga class and with the hope that the kid becomes a little calm and balanced and functions well. So pretty much uh, the same thing happened with me. Uh, my parents uh, tried many times to introduce me to yoga. So, you know, to keep myself in a, in a manageable state, if I may say this. So that's how yoga came into my life. And uh, over the years, I realized something. Yoga really helped me even as a kid to 
become better in my martial art. Uh, I was also practicing uh, swimming, so I could uh, that influenced my swimming skills, so especially the breath work. And uh, it sticked along. I, I had I can't say of anything else for which I started practicing yoga, and eventually that took me to some teachers and then to the uh, the monks of Ramakrishna Mission Order, and they suggested me if I really am serious with yoga, I should go and study at Bihar School of Yoga, and. Uh, Everything happened in a very organic manner. There was no as such a, a conscious decision, let me go and do a teacher's training program and I want to be a yoga teacher and I will teach and this and that. No, nothing like that. That's the best way, isn't it? The, 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 the more I, organic way. Yeah, 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 I'd say so. I was curious, um, you know, because of course you, your background as a, a teacher and as a practitioner is um, that of Shivananda Yoga. Uh, Satyananda Yoga. Mm -hmm. So how is this Satyananda Yoga any different from other types of yoga? Um, and I have found something online. Uh, Satyananda Yoga is also called the yoga of um, head, heart and hands. Right. So can you share a little bit about that um, and make help us plunge uh, a deep dive into Satyananda Yoga? Okay, would love to do that. Um... First of all, when we are looking at yoga, we are basically understanding yoga as asanas, as a physical posture. At least in the West, for many years, this is how we perceived when a people saying, okay, I'm going to a yoga class. They're referring to that. They will go and spread the mat, do some movements, maybe a little bit of breath work, uh -huh. and a bit of a relaxation technique. And that ends the yoga practice, which is quite good. It's a great replacement uh, of Anything that is uh, fitness oriented can help in uh, help in uh, imbibing the the yogic understanding. But if we take a step back, traditionally yoga was created to create harmony between our intellect, between our emotions, and between our actions. Uh, it had a lot to do with synchronizing our uh, wholesome personality. And that's where uh, Satyananda Yoga differs because here the practices are designed in such a manner that you do certain things for your body, you do certain things to take care of your energy system, you do certain things to take care of your mind, your emotion, and all of these are presented in certain proportion, even in a 90 minute or in one hour yoga session. Mm -hmm. So that's, that is something that uh, differentiates Satyananda Yoga from uh, some other tradition. I cannot say that it is only Hatha yoga based or it is only Kriya yoga based or uh, mantras and Raja yoga based. It has multiple different uh, branches of yoga put together. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, and I just want to piggyback on uh, what you were saying before with, um, you know, once you got into yoga and you were mentioning swimming and other uh, physical activities. So um, are you still doing other things um, outside yoga right now? And how do you feel those other things complement yoga? Um, yeah. And what's your advice, I guess, for, for people that want to try yoga? Should they combine it with other practices as well? Um, yeah. What's better? <laughs> I do recommend people to combine different uh, practices. So I'm not a person who's usually subscribing that, yes, 
if you're doing yoga, you don't need any other kind of fitness activity or wellness ritual. Uh, I love walking. I mean, I know that's not nothing very extreme, but uh, I try every week to uh, cover a certain number of kilometers and I walk within the park, within the city. That works best for me. Uh, there are people who find uh, relaxing if they are in the pool and they go for a few laps of swimming. That works for them. Uh, to do some fitness training, uh, whether it's a high-intensity training program or aerobics or Pilates, all of them can go very well along with yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the meaning itself of yoga is uh, unification we don't have to have that you know the tunnel vision and say that oh just because i practice yoga i'm gonna say no to going to a gym or doing uh, weightlifting or the rest are bad and i'm good no i don't really subscribe to uh, such kind of ideas neither anybody should all the uh, branches have their own benefits uh, when they're applied in the with the right understanding yeah, that's that's refreshing to hear. Of course, uh, there are different schools of thought, right? Some of the practitioners of yoga and the teachers uh, of yoga say that we should only do yoga, um, while others are more open to embracing other types of uh, movement or um, other types of spiritual practices. Um, I was curious to hear a little bit more about your experience in Romania. How come you're here for so, so many years? And um, and I'm also curious, how do you find um, Romanian yogis different than other yogis that you've met? Um, how is your experience uh, when it comes to teaching yoga to Romanians as opposed to other uh, nations and, and cultures? Um, yeah, but first of all, I guess, how did you end up here? I'm super curious. Uh, there are, there's a very short answer and a longer answer to it. Uh, the shorter answer is actually it's split it in two. It was my master who many years back, once I was transiting between uh, living in Hong Kong and planning to return back to India and to stay there for long. And I went to meet him and asked him, you know, what do you suggest? What should I do? And out of the blue, he said, well, in, the, you know, in Eastern Europe, there's a work needs to be done. And it was just a simple sentence out of context and I couldn't even comprehend at that uh, event when he mentioned that to me, why he said that. But then multiple events happened in such a manner in a span of three, four weeks that I ended up being here in Romania under a month. And uh, that was a a short visit. And uh, then eventually I moved here. Uh, I had had family here and stayed here. And uh, Romania was, was like a second home for me. Um, it, it was not, uh, uh, how should I say it? It was not something where I struggled, should I stay here or not? It felt very natural for me to stay here. The people are warm, nice, um, kind people, uh, homely people, not agitated. So yeah, it felt really good to be uh, be here in Romania. Yeah, I think you say that, you, you say Romanians are not uh, agitated because you've been, you live in Timisoara, right, for most of your days but if you come a little bit southwards <laughs> Monica, uh, no. you might find that we are a bit different than those up north or than in the middle no. of the country you, you should at some point come with me to india and let's take a walk in mumbai in the streets of mumbai and then you will understand what agitation means what traffic <laughs> means and 
the Bucharest feels Zen. It's a Zen garden. It's it's beautiful. It, I it understand those those country in comparison to even Hong Kong and uh, some other places I have lived. Oh, this is this is bliss. Yoga has changed its definition. So now yoga has become more a part of a, of a gyms, a fitness studio, and we are looking at it like that. So yoga has become a popular common word, but in Early 2000, yoga was still uh, highly inclined with uh, having a very spiritual dimension. Uh, and it was a little bit behind the curtain because of several reasons. It was still practiced behind the curtain. Mm. Uh, if I may say this, it was in a way easier to teach in, in those years, even though there were people whom, who were not necessarily very open to yoga but they were more inclined to the spiritual dimension of yoga. Now yoga is more popular and it is more a replacement or uh, more of a, like having, instead of Pilates today, you can go for yoga. Instead of aerobics today, you can choose to go for yoga. So it, it's a replacement of fitness rituals, which is good. It definitely takes care of the body and the energy and the breath and all that. Uh, I will doubt a bit on the, on how it impacts the consciousness and how it impacts in transformation from within. That part is, is slightly debatable. Mm. But it's interesting because you have all this multicultural perspective. I'm sure, of course, Alex has a different uh, perspective on this because she has been living outside of Romania for so many years. <laughs> so maybe for her it's different. Uh, well, yeah, I, actually, I was actually surprised by your... Uh assessment as well, Avi, because I kind of veer towards what Monica is saying, even though I'm not uh, living there anymore. But uh, before I left, um, I always felt like, yeah, Romanians are really nervous. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm coming from from the same country, but um, maybe maybe it's something else that you're noticing in yoga. But you were mentioning the sort of you know that yoga now is more about exercise right or the physical practice it evolved um and it's less on the spiritual but i guess what i wanted to kind of um ask you um is okay so it's more on the physical practice uh but wouldn't that maybe be a way to attract more people that then they get to yoga they do the physical and then they get to uh you know benefit from the spiritual as well because they're open you know, to trying it first, because um, they're attracted by, I don't know, the impossible poses or whatever it is, right, that they, they like, I don't know, on social media. Yeah, you're, you're touching a bit of a controversial point, and I don't know how much I should uh, sincerely open up and start talking about it. Let's open understand up. The, the, the psychological demography, how it changed in the in the last period. Since the the social media, you know, especially the top two, Facebook, Instagram, influenced the, the Romanian culture. The, the background psychology is a lot about comparison and a lot about copying. Uh, when we copy without understanding, we, there's a friction that is there inside. And that friction is there. And that agitation can be felt in, in people in, in the capital, in many other parts of uh, Romania, where you know, they're trying to achieve a goal, they're, tr they're grasping it, but they're not able to enjoy it because certain uh, software settings are not 
aligned for them to live that life. Romania was a country where a lot of simplicity was practiced entire during, uh, maybe slightly forcefully during communism and even post-communism till the, you know, the, the floodgate opened up and all the social media you know, bombarded and pushed us to compare ourselves. And since then, as the yoga became popular, uh, there are a lot of yoga teachers are in the, in the society now who are making a living. They had to run their family by earning money through yoga. I'm, I'm one among them, right? And uh, not everybody has that, uh, that stubbornness, I would use the word, to say, no, I'm not gonna be flexible. I'm not gonna dance as per the tune of your expectation. I will remain true to myself. I feel this is what yoga should be. And it, it happens, no? If I, I need to have 30 students in my class to pay my bills, and I see if I don't teach even at a 9 p.m. yoga class, 10 rounds of sun salutation, which normally is, uh, as per my understanding, is so against the biorhythm, I will still teach because my student will say, hey, we, today you haven't done the sun salutation. Do you plan to do the same next week? And then I can choose maybe Monica's class or somebody else's class, you know? And then I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to lose business. And then I, I will act differently. So I don't know if I'm answering to you. This financial expectation makes us dance and uh, do funny stuff. So, so you feel that with this, yoga teachers maybe are, are forced in a way to maybe, uh, yeah, um, teach things they wouldn't necessarily, right? Because it's like, okay, everyone is expecting the physical side of things. So I'm just going to... I'm just going to do that. So it kind of changes, shifts the expectation for both the student and the teacher. Right. Also, yeah. everybody wants to stand out. Everybody mm. wants to stand out. I do have some uh, inherent advantage. You know, I come to Romania and uh, in the early years, I used to say Indian yoga teacher. And that used to be a very good, uh, you know, it creates a segment. It brought me people. I was happy about that. But let's be realistic. If, if, three Romanian student uh, teachers are standing, they have to say something different. And in that case, they will say, I'm gonna do, let's say, uh, full moon, blah, blah, yoga. And another will say, I'm gonna tell you some levitation yoga and another in the meditation yoga. You have to come up with your special sauce. And uh, that's uh, another way because we want to be different. We are ready to compromise and create distortion in our understanding of yoga. And uh, we are doing very interesting things. Yeah, but I, th I think it's the same regardless whether you're in Romania or not, right? If you want to be a teacher, if you are a teacher, you have to have your own style and then, yeah, attract in some way. Um, so, yeah, I guess it happens across. All I will say to all of this is that I'm, I'm not a yoga teacher, but I started practicing yoga in 2017. Um, and all I'd say is if it weren't for the Western culture, I think, and the Western uh, approach with the physicality, I started um, practicing vinyasa. So you understand kind mm -hmm. of the dynamic there. Uh, I would have never gone into yoga because and now I'm open to the spiritual part. But initially I was like, no, nah, <laughs> this is not for me. Um, it's a gate, isn't it? It's a gate towards understanding exactly. um, yoga in depth. Right. So. Yeah, and yeah. it's only a gate. It's maybe if I can say it's a very wide open gate that everybody feels quite comfortable, safe to walk through it. 
so I'm teaching some uh, long yoga courses. And in the beginner yoga course, I don't even teach them the basic mantras. I'm not introducing them anything on the chakras, uh, not yoga physiology, philosophy. No, let's do the mishkare. You feel the good? Mishkare. Yeah, the asana. Yeah. Breathing, a little bit of yoga nidra, wrap up, go home. We talk next week. And that, that works. And it's okay. And then eventually to, to add... Um, something that can be uh, that takes you more deeper but uh <laughs> speaking of deeper things um i know we you know we we've been chatting um for quite a few weeks um trying to find a um, uh, good uh, time for us when we are available or the three of us for the podcast and this is how i realized that you regularly go and live in an ashram um, and I wanted to ask you, what does that experience mean for you? How often do you live, do you go and live in ashrams? And why is that important for you as a yogi, as a practitioner, as a teacher of yoga? Yeah, and I just want to, for our listeners that might not know, maybe also touch on what an ashram is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I should start with saying what an ashram means. Ashram is definitely not a yoga tribe or a teacher who sets up a few you know houses or buildings and say okay come and practice with me ashrams are usually traditionally set up for thousands of years back this is a tradition set by somebody who's very visionary and who are naturally people would uh, claim them they are like a spiritual leaders and the masters not uh, uh, defined by the how many um followers they have or how many students they have now one said that uh ashrams are place or the ashram where i go that's my parents i'm going to the bihar school of yoga is uh yoga is like um peeling the onion it has infinite number of layers like what sun salutation meant to me 30 years back now it means completely different uh even the posture is not changing, but the depth where I can reach with that practice, what I can understand about my uh, psychophysiological play taking place within me can give me some fascinating uh, revelation about myself, can help me to fix many idiotic behaviors that are still highly present. And I look at myself and say, Rate, when are you going to learn these things? And you have been repeating the same thing on and on. You know? so, Ashram is the time for me is when I go back and I work on myself. When me in ashram, I have zero interest in what's happening in the outside world. That's my time to recharge myself, reboot myself, uh, doubt my belief system, question whatever I understand and finding ways and means to you know, build up on that understanding or even at some time just throw away those understanding and to uh, refresh my outlook oh, on yoga it's like a turning inwards yeah toward yourself how how often do you do it and for how long um, things changed uh, pre-pandemic my intentions uh, or i have done it pretty much the last 20 years every year i will spend an approximately a month or uh, two months a month and a half in ashram per year uh, post-pandemic i'm trying to increase that to three and a half or four months uh, per year 
to spend uh, at least a, almost if possible a quarter of the year to work on myself and the rest part I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. And for the noobs uh, uh, here, which is me, um, so you go there uh, by yourself basically, right? So away from the family and you spend three to four months. Not at a stretch. Uh, that would be very challenging. Uh, I'll be oh, okay. So I try to split it into at least in two half uh, to go uh, one month or 45 days here and 45 days there. Four months, not yet in one year, but approximately two and a half to three months uh, over a year. Yes, I'm fortunate to do that in the last two, three years, two years. And uh, yeah, that, that that's how I did it. Okay, and, and you mentioned this, right? You're going there to work on yourself. So I guess with this, my my question would be, what would you say um, is, is um, I don't know, what's what's yoga's impact on your, on your life overall? Or what's like the most valuable thing you think yoga taught you or changed for you um, so far in the vast experience and time you've been practicing? Before I answer that, you asked me another question uh, previously. I should answer that I go for myself and sometimes I'm also bringing my students who can come and stay, but much shorter period for 10, 15 days. So they, they come and they stay and they, you know, the experience from the roots, how yoga or how spiritual yoga should be. Now, once said that, what yoga got me? Hmm. It, it's a, like a, it's like a lasagna, you know. We are building it up layer by layer. Some layers have a more a substance and some are more with the parmesan and it, it's different. At this point, what yoga helps me to not to get very conditioned, uh, to keep myself uh, mobile, uh, agile, more than physically, mentally. I am very much afraid of mental rigidity than physical stiffness. And uh, for the past, Several years, I'm very much inclined in blending psychology and yoga, and I'm working a lot on my therapies, which are of, uh, I'm bringing in yoga in a psychotherapy, or I should call them yoga therapy, because I don't work as a psychotherapist. Uh, so the, in this yoga therapy, what we are learning about myself is I can take a person only to the depth I have been. I cannot help you to go to the moon if I haven't crossed the, the edge of the city. So the challenge is on myself to expand myself as much as I can so that I can help people better. But um, in a nutshell, I would say yoga helps me to see my, my conditioning, my limitations. I'm more aware of my ignorance and uh, I'm trying, it's a work in progress to accept myself as I am. Yeah, that's that's a that's a hard challenge, I think, for all of us, regardless of whether or not we're doing yoga. Although yoga might help uh, accepting yourself a bit more than without it, but yeah, I don't know if we're ever gonna make it completely on that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I doubt that. I doubt that. It's 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 not the uh, the destination. It's more the journey. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, if when my friends are gonna listen to this podcast, they will say, "Oh, Farate." You sound too smart. You're not that smart. Uh, and some of the students might say, oh, no, you're sounding smart. So there are friends, there are people in our life who knows us better, who have seen us doing the similar mistake on and on. So, but we keep trying. Do we have other options? Discutable. So we keep on trying and we, we, we keep on working on ourselves. 
But you know, Avi, I was thinking, so you mentioned that sometimes your, your students and the people who practice with you sometimes join you for a shorter periods of time in the ashrams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you traditionally constantly lead retreats all over the world. So I was super curious, um, what has been your experience in leading retreats uh, in various parts of the world, uh, one of Europe, and is there anything that stands out in terms of um, location or cultural habits or local color, local flavor? Um, do you have a particular story to tell about a specific uh, retreat spot? Anything cool to share about leading retreats? I just finished uh, yesterday. I returned from a retreat in Spain, and uh, it was the first actually retreat we have done with about 25, 30 people were gathered together for the retreat. Well, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, and uh, very beautiful work over the weekend. And there's something that stands out based on the culture. What I felt the cultures which are more uh, exposed to sun the cultures we are more exposed to this uh, let's say moderation uh, weather they have a, a different uh, i will use the word different because nothing is better or worse different way to embrace uh, the yoga i found spain to be fascinating maybe i'm still having that uh, you know the hangover from just coming out from the you just the, came back yeah, what yeah, region yeah. was that what region was Bilbao, Basque County. So close to the sea, uh, we were in a in a hilly area, in a beautiful retreat place, and uh, great food. Uh, of course, did yoga, mantras, singings, and a bit of dancing. So a lot of thing happened in that retreat. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I can say about it. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah, I mean, Spain sounds wonderful um, in terms of both uh, opening up to yoga and, and uh, such practices and also food, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love Spain. Um, yeah. Everything in Spain that I've seen so far, although I haven't been there so in Bilbao yet, so, but I'm sure it's nice um, if I'm to judge by the rest of Spain, that is. Yeah. But the people have uh, somehow... Uh lesser trauma in their life. This is my perception. They are not that heavy. The shoulders are not that rigid. They're not that afraid. Just like, oh, <laughs> there's a, that easygoing kind of a thing. It's, it's hard to be that heavy when you live by the sea, you oh, know, yeah. in a nice, a oh, warm out in environment. The sun. Yeah. Can't deny that. Can't deny that. Um, I'm curious and... Um, you know, it's it's because you're talking, you're, you're very much, you know, doing retreats, you go to ashram, obviously you're practicing, you're teaching, you've been doing it for so long. Is there anything that you can think of that would stop you from practicing yoga at some point, at any point? Because yoga has a, such a vast umbrella. There are so many things that I consider now is part of yoga. Uh, Meditation is yoga. Mantras are yoga. Pranayamas are yoga. Spending time with yourself is yoga. Consciously taking a walk in the park is yoga. Consciously cooking, consciously eating is part of yoga. So I really doubt that uh, yoga is going to leave me or I will leave yoga. But 
uh, I see maybe in the old age, uh, I'm not going to do every morning 27 round of sun salutation, or maybe I will do the different kind of yoga postures. Maybe the Savasana will be longer. Those kind of changes are can happen, but uh, leaving yoga aside, I don't think so. Uh, that's um, so nice to hear because I'm, you know, uh, the same in terms of I, everything I post on social media has my yoga life tag because I feel like everything is so intertwined with yoga to your point. Like if I take a conscious walk, I just stop and realize where I am, you know, I'm present in the moment. Yeah. So, so it's nice to hear another teacher's perspective on this, uh, except for Monica's that's, uh, uh, <laughs> that we discussed about this in depth. Um, that, yeah, I got that as well without, you know, all these years of practice and being a teacher, but it really does feel like once you start, you're not going to stop basically because there's no way unless you just, you know, stop living, I guess. It's a more a lifestyle. The, eventually, once the yoga converts from a practice to a lifestyle, there is no stopping. There is no going. It's, it has blended. Yeah. It's part of your life. Yeah, for sure. Um, and one of the things that uh, we as practitioners or teachers of yoga or both um, have as a, as a common ground is the fact that we really like to talk about yoga uh, to other people who haven't necessarily approached it or started it. Um, so I was super curious to know what was your strategy and what was the outcome in trying to convince more people to do yoga. For instance, um, I know that um, um, quite a few um, famous Romanian pop stars have practiced with you um, along the years. Um, and I was curious, how exactly has um, teaching to more famous persons has um, uh, led, led people um, be closer to yoga or take up yoga or understand yoga? I would say people are people, no matter what they do professionally. And there are human needs, which is pretty much the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to feel that we are connected with ourselves. And uh, these are the needs that yoga can quite easily offer to anybody and everybody. What happens is, uh, I'm not referring to any particular uh, celebrity or you know, well-known uh -huh. social media person. Yeah. We, once a, a person is very busy or having a high or busy social life, the requirement of uh, recuperation is also proportionately higher. And uh, these are the people who really understand that maybe without yoga, their life will be really going to fall apart. So they are very much focused into their uh, well-being ritual. Mm. Because their energy expenditure is it's also very, 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 it's huge, right? Incredibly high, incredibly high. Um, and... Uh, I have been around some of them for multiple years, followed them to multiple cities and programs and everything. And I know this, it's uh, sometimes you, you wonder like, okay, you are teaching that person yoga and she's performing and she's doing the things, but how you, you just admire 
the energy that they are ready to bring on the platform, which is awesome, which is awesome. And that gives you the hope that yes, when you are religious about your own sadhana, you do your own practice without missing out, without making compromise, you tap into that, uh, that enormous amount of power of, uh, you know, carrying oneself forward. And uh, that's, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I'm sure. And also, I think um, this sets an example and an inspiration for people, uh, you know, who follow them or who whose whose lives are equally busy and uh, who let themselves be inspired by their lifestyles. And if you guys part of their life and their routine, um, then um, all all of the others, um, all of us can can embrace yoga more easily, right? I have worked with uh, some people, as you know, the, they are more into the into the media, and so you get to see them in the yeah. limelight. But I've yeah. also worked with people who are into the into the very high positions in the corporations and stuff, and their life is also equally busy. One thing that stands out that they are um, uh, they have this non-negotiable time for their own well-being rituals. You cannot bargain there; they are very strict. And uh, that's a quality that kind of separates uh, between a leader and the rest. A leader in any domain, almost any domain, they have discipline. Mm. And uh, they go into the depth, I mean, infinite depth in any one-on-one -on -one mentorship program. You, you won't believe this is uh, the yoga practice is no more just about doing some postures and breathing a little bit of yoga nidra. No, it's about awakening the consciousness really working with the energy with the kundalini and everything that you can think of they are tapping into those uh let's say for me it is a yogic tool and in a form of a, like a biohacking or transforming themselves into their best version that they can be yeah great to hear <laughs> it, it it's it's really um great to see that uh, people who are so busy and who are very high at the top uh, in terms of you know their professional career, uh, they make time. So their discipline is not only work related, but it's also uh, me time or self care or leisure time related. Because in order for them to maintain the focus in their professional careers, they need to really take good care of their um, health and mental balance. And that's where we should get inspired by. I would say. Indeed. Um, and I guess on this kind of on a similar note, um, on you know, you talked about the people that take the time to do yoga. Um, but from your again experience and from what you're seeing, maybe from the people that don't do yoga, I'm assuming maybe you have some experience with that. What would you say is maybe the the one thing that most people get wrong about yoga? I think that there's a lot of um, this kind of how you call them, memes or something in the, in the social media that you have to be flexible to practice yoga. I know a lot of people say, oh, I'm rigid. So, so what? Your body might be rigid, but you can be flexible in your mind and adopt and body will follow. So the physical rigidity has nothing to do with yoga. And uh, you almost literally everybody can get benefit from yoga. Even if they are ready to overcome that initial resistance, there's always room for it. And it's it's a 
nice to hear you say that. We just had an episode um, about yoga misconceptions, and this was one of the most common ones that we could uh, find as well and that we've actually heard, right? I'm not flexible. Yoga isn't for me. Uh, there's no point in trying, right? Uh, but you get flexible if you do yoga. Indeed. Absolutely. The, the body follows the mind. Once we learn how to decompress the body, desomatize the, the trauma, the stress from the body, the body becomes more soft. I know other, otherwise we are like shoulders up and we're always lifting the shield and protecting ourselves. No, you, you become a more chill, relaxed, set back person if, if you take yourself easily. My, uh, I have one more question for you, Avi, before, um, bef before okay. we close or before Alex has our um, own final question. I was curious to see, how do, how do you see this um, gender differentiation when it comes to yoga practitioners? Because it is obvious that uh, more and more women practice yoga nowadays as opposed to, to men. So if I look at people who are sitting next to me in a class when I go to practice in a group setting, or if I look at the practitioners that come to join my classes as a teacher, there are almost always um, higher percentages of women than men. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how do you perceive this and do you have an explanation for this? How do you feel about this? See, the, the feminine gender is inbuilt with this enormous skill to connect with their inner world right the this is an inbuilt quality a, a woman has this quality because one day they might become a mother and when they become a mother for the first nine months of the motherhood you need to consciously connect to the baby inside you don't get to see you need to just feel a uh, hundred years back thousand years back there were no ultrasound so you have to just feel if the baby is fine or not so most likely our creator created woman in such a manner that you will be able to understand the inner world with way much more ease than the other gender. <laughs> and in today's time, uh, the men have become very competitive and they become very conscious. You go and spread the yoga mat and I know there are men who come, who came to my yoga classes they come and they said, Avi, can I talk to you for a minute? She is good. And, uh, look, I, I had a back thing and I'm not very you know, flexible. Do you really think, can I spread the mat on the back? And I said, most likely you are, you are as rigid as me. I'm not super flexible. So spread your mat wherever you want. It's not about competition. It's about simply holding a compassionate place where you allow things to flow. Uh, and for, and I know this is, we should not, categorize like man and woman. It can happen to women also. There are more masculine people, more men who find it challenging to look within. The that activates more pain and the suffering in themselves. And sincerely speaking, I felt that I felt it's more easy for me to connect outside and do any any practices by outward focus than to remain in my presence and accepting myself in the in its totality. I I feel this could be a cause for uh, more women to to get drawn to to yoga than uh, than than men. Yeah, thanks so much for um, that was quite eye opening, for sure a valid uh, reason why this might happen. 
Um, I this this question is derived um, from my um, from my latest conversations with um, uh, Alex, and we've been thinking about this. Uh, she's noticing this for sure. I'm noticing this in in uh, Romania, but uh, yeah, always interesting to observe. It's it's everywhere. So I mean, well, I haven't been to all the countries, but what I'm seeing online and from UK, it's it's the same, uh, which is weird a bit, right? Because you know, yoga is from India, and I think more men used to practice yoga in India than women at the beginning, right? No. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I thought so. Traditionally, yoga was more embraced by women than men. What happens when a man learns 10 plus 2 steps in yoga, they step out of their house and they go a little more gaga about it. So they become <laughs> the teacher and, the, you know, they become a little more noisy with the yoga. Uh -huh. So... Yeah, women have always practiced yoga in the seclusion, not going out in a community class maybe, but the, the feminine energy is the one which I think over the years sustained the, the purity of the yoga practice. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, we got that wrong. Um, so I think for maybe our final question or my final question uh, before we close, uh, what would be... I don't know, one piece of advice you would like to leave our listeners with, people that have never practiced? Just to try. I mean, they should not get convinced. You know, I'm not inviting them to go and get married to yoga. I'm just asking, go for a date, go for a blind date, see how it works. You will not like it, come back home, try something else. The good thing is there are a thousand different things that everybody can do. Yoga doesn't have to be for everyone. But to say, no, yoga is not for me, or as a matter of fact, anything is not for me without even trying it, that's kind of a shows a kind of a limited mindset. And maybe that's what we should be addressing here. Try it. And yoga is like, my suggestion is try it for a few times because first time you're like spaced out, God knows what's happening around me and all these elastic people. Definitely. Or, yeah. And then, then decide for yourself, take it easy. Nobody's going to hold a gun to you and say, okay, no, you have tried once. Now you have to try a hundred more times. Yeah, that's, that's such a easy, lovely, basic advice. But yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, also there's like different, you know, styles in yoga. So maybe try different styles like that. Uh, you know, if you don't like one, it might not mean that yoga isn't for you. Maybe just exactly. that's not for you, right? If the person is more physical, try out something physical. You find it more familiar there. Don't stay stuck there. Try out something more. If you're more meditative, go and try out some meditative yoga, but don't stay there. Try out something dynamic. Why not go and do one day the primary series? One day you do some more flow practice. It's nice to challenge your body and to different things. You know, we don't have to eat every day Chinese food or Indian food or Romanian food. One day you go out and you eat Mexican. So in the same way, try out. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. This has been very inspiring. Um, a few tens of minutes spent to obvious sites uh, in our podcast. Um, thank you so, so much. Maybe as a final thought, um, let's uh, inform our viewers and listeners where exactly they can find you, both physical and on social media. And we'll make sure we include links towards your social media profiles when we launch mm -hmm. this podcast, please. I'm not very consistent with my social media, way less consistent than I'm consistent with yoga. But yeah, Instagram can be found as a yoga with Avi or as a Mangal Dharma. I have a Facebook page, Satyananda Yoga with Avi. Um, depending on my mood and stuff, I 
post content. Uh, Sometimes I'm trying to make reels and stuff, but I'm not very consistent. Uh, the best way to to experience a yoga session with me because I all my classes are almost virtual also, so uh, they can come and practice, see if it is for them. Maybe that's a that will add that Mexican food is something different or that can become their main course. It's up to them. Right. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, this was lovely. Um, maybe we do this again sometime uh, when you have uh, some more time. Um, and yeah, that's us for this week, guys. Uh, thank you if you've made it so this far. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Monica. Bye. Thank you, Alexandra. It was wonderful. Bye, guys. Thank, thank you so you. much, Ravi.